Hi, readers. Welcome to Books Connect Us from Penguin Random House. This is a podcast about staying connected with each other and the stories and authors who inspire us. Today's guest is Andrea Bartz, a Brooklyn-based journalist and author of the suspense thrillers The Lost Night and The Herd. Oprah Magazine raves that Andrea Bartz breathes new life into the psychological thriller by setting her novels in bitingly modern settings. Her first book, The Lost Night, is set in Williamsburg's party scene. The Herd is a biting satire of a woman's workspace, like the wing, and the darkness that may lurk behind that perfectly coiffed sitting room. Let's join Random House's Taylor Knoll in conversation with author Andrea Bartz. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, you know, hanging in there like everyone else. How about you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, oh, as you may have seen on Instagram, I was up all night reading The Herd, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> such an incredible read. Actually, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about that book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so The Herd, which I conveniently have right by me. Um, the Herd is a thriller that is set in an exclusive all-female co-working space in New York City um, that is rocked when it's glamorous and sort of elegant and a little mysterious uh, founder and CEO disappears the night of an important company announcement. Um, and so it's sort of up to her best friends to try to figure out what happened to her. And, um, you know, the more they dig, the more they sort of the secrets they uncover. And it really goes deep on themes of um, commercial feminism and uh, complex female friendships and sort of the sky high expectations that we have for successful high achieving women in the workforce. Yeah, it's it's so smart. Like there's so much patch into there. It's, you know, just a great thriller in terms of the genre, but the idea of a feminist thriller is also so compelling, especially in the current climate today. Um, so what, what inspired you to write this book? You know, my first book, The Lost Night, was set within sort of the, the like warehouse parties of hipster Brooklyn. And it was really fun to sort of like take the reader, be the Virgil that takes the reader into that world. And so I was trying to think of an equally interesting setting for my next book. And um, I sort of randomly had the idea of <laughs> the herd the logo with the h-e-r in purple because it's all about her and it made me laugh and it still makes me laugh i think it's <laughs> something that like really you could see that happening um and so the entire things that you know sprung from there it was like what would it look like to have a thriller that was set in one of these like bougie beautiful all-female co-working spaces yeah so is setting the first thing that comes to you when you start a new book Pretty much. I start with, I start with a hook and I write the entire thing not knowing what will happen. I write without an outline. I sort of figure it out as I go. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of start with this question of like, what would happen if X? And for The Lost Night, it was what would happen if after one of those crazy warehouse parties, there was a dead body in one of the, one of the you know, the lofts. And for this one, it was even simpler, even even more simple. It was like, what would it look like um, to have a thriller that was set in this like beautiful, um, you know, very desirable space for women? Um, and obviously, that that gave me a lot of uh, fodder to play with, with um, like you said, feminism and um, how women relate to each other and sort of internalized misogyny and and the backlash against successful women yeah. um so i just sort of am interested in all those things and started writing to explore them 
Yeah. I mean, despite what went down at the hurt, I still find myself really wanting to join one of those spaces. I mean, now more than ever when I'm stuck in my tiny home. Um, but the way that you kind of constructed that place was so alluring. Um, and then you also have these incredibly well-developed, strong female characters. How did you, how did you create those from nothing? So in the first draft, they were all basically like cardboard cutouts. Nobody really had a personality yet. And so I <laughs> sort of discovered who the characters were as I was writing. Um, but the way that I thought about it, and hopefully this is like woven in subtly enough that it's not obvious, but uh, <laughs> I knew that I wanted the book to be about um, sort of the, the paths that women have toward being um, acceptable and being, you know, liked and loved and sort of like the limited options mm -hmm. that women have for um, succeeding. And so I wanted all of the different main characters to sort of represent a different approach to that. Um, and another way to think of that is another like, each of them sort of represents um, a role or like the mask or the armor that um, they have learned since like childhood. Um, mm -hmm. makes them palatable and acceptable. And I think a lot of women reading it will sort of um, empathize with that feeling of like, okay, I've learned that like, I'm the funny one and I make people like me by getting everyone laughing. So like, that's what I need to do. Or I'm the responsible one. And so in every situation, everyone's gonna turn to me and it is my job to, to take care of it because that's what makes me, you know, acceptable and like, makes everyone comfortable um, and I may not veer from that and so they sort of represent these different approaches towards the same goal and it also then kind of set up some fun for playing with um, what happens when you know these women are pushed to the extreme and and this beautiful space of the herd becomes a crucible and these sort of like perfect veneers that everyone is working so hard to maintain the sort of Instagram perfect outside right. Uh, begins to begins to crack and just can't can't hold up. <laughs> Amazing. And so when you're writing a thriller, I'm just curious about your approach to plot um, and plot development and kind of how you know when to give which clues and, and like how do you start writing a plot? Yeah. So before I start writing, I always revisit. Um, I have it here too. I, I always bring visuals. <laughs> I always so prepared. Save the cat. Yeah, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't my first, my first Instagram story, <laughs> although it's my first with Random House, which is super exciting. Um, but I really like Save the Cat writes a novel, um, which just helps you understand like the shape that a story will take. Um, you know, stuff like when, what you need to set up in the first few scenes and then when you need to kick off the action and when it needs to have a big twist and take a new direction, things like that. Um, and so even though I write the whole thing without knowing what's happening, I still know like what the next section needs to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so my my approach to a mystery, I don't recommend doing a whodunit <laughs> like without any sense of whodunit or how it's gonna work because it's <laughs> very stressful. Um, but I just start writing and really through the first half, I am like metaphorically tossing potential clues and red herrings everywhere I go. It's like I am loading, you know, mouse traps, I am pulling pins out of grenades, I'm just leaving all this stuff that like later might become useful. Um, and that's the fun part. And then I get to about midway through and it's like, oh crap, like I need to somehow <laughs> land all of these claims. Like what have I done? I have so many mysteries. I don't even know what's a red herring and what's real. I don't have <laughs> many mysteries like feed into the larger mystery. Like what have I done? 
Um, and there's a lot of doubt. Um, but yeah, somehow eventually miraculously the pieces do start to come together. Um, and then my revision, the next draft is just making sure like I'm pruning out all the stuff that all the, you know, the dead ends that it turns out I didn't need and strengthening the, um, the, the clues and the, um, you know, the building up of, of towards the right conclusion. When people say that they weren't surprised by something, I'm like, oh, interesting, because I was. Um, so Indra, do you write every single day? Is there one spot that you write in? Do you kind of have a set routine for writing? I, when I'm on deadline for a manuscript, um, which I'm currently not, I just, just turned in my third book. So I get a little break while I wait for Yay. notes. Um, but yeah, thanks. But when I'm writing, I don't have a super strict routine, but I have a daily word count goal. Um, and so I know about how much I need to do today, whether it's like 600 words or 800 words. Um, and I prioritize in my day, like sitting down at the computer and um, I use the Pomodoro method, which involves setting a timer for 20 minutes and working for the full 20 minutes. Um, even if you have no idea what is happening with the scene, even if what you're writing is terrible, even if you're literally writing like, I don't know what happens next. Um, and then when the 20 minute timer comes, goes off, then you take a five minute break and you repeat. Um, and I just find that that sort of, the sort of writing sprint approach um, really lets me get words on the page, which is the most important thing. Um, so yeah, I work pretty much every day with the exception of like planned vacations and stuff um, when I'm working on a manuscript. But right now, since I'm between, I'm reading a ton and, you know, free writing and jotting down what might be my next, what might be something for my next book. Um, and so it's a little bit of everything. Can you give us a little sneak peek as to what the next book is about? Sure. Um, so the title is still up in the air, but it is um, also a thriller, but not a whodunit for the first time. So that was different for me. Uh, but it's about two globe trotting, world traveling best friends, female best friends, who uh, kill a backpacker in self defense in a foreign country and um, decide to uh, cover it up and, and run away rather than trying to you know face authorities in a foreign country <laughs> and so um you know once they've done that it's really about their friendship being tested to the limit and um you know their their sort of doubt and, and beginning to question like how things really went down and is my best friend really telling the truth as the walls are sort of closing in on them um so it's it's dark and it's twisty and um again it really is all about complex female friendships which is what i love writing um, but it is a departure in the sense that uh, you know who done it from from the very first. Page, so. Well, it sounds absolutely incredible. There was a great audience question earlier that was asking if there are any other writers or books that you've loved that you've used as inspiration. Um, well, one more craft book that I like to recommend. Um, it's kind of heady and hard to get through, but my last visual, I recommend um, John Truby, uh, The Anatomy of Story. And it's a book, it won't help you plot. He thinks it will help you plot, it won't. But it really can help you. It has exercises that can help you pin down your characters and figure out their motivations and how to really um, up the emotional stakes and things like that. Uh, for me, it's really useful when I'm revising because I have this draft, I have like my vomit draft and it's a mess. Um, and then, you know, I'm beginning to figure out who my characters are and then I can sit down and do the exercises in the book to really pin down like, what makes them different? What purpose does each one serve? And that kind of thing. 
Um, and then in terms of, you know, fiction that inspires me, there's so much amazing female written thrillers right now. Um, I just feel like we're in such a glut of like beautifully written, but fun and, and complex uh, thrillers. Some that came out recently um, include Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier, um, Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. She's a really amazing writer. Um, My Lovely Wife by Samantha Downing is just the most fun and like pacey, talk about pacing, like that book is like fast and I'm really excited for her next <laughs> book. Um, he started it. So yeah, obviously Jessica Knoll, Tana French, Gillian Flynn, all the greats. Um, so it's, yeah. it's just, I could, I could name female thriller writers I love all day, but that's a, <laughs> that's a few of them. Those are some amazing recommendations. I know that I'm going to go order several of those after our conversation. Mm -hmm. um, there's another great audience question here that asks, how long does it take you to finish writing a book? So it totally depends if I'm on deadline or not. So <laughs> when I wrote, um, I wrote The Lost Night in its entirety before I did anything with it because I used it to query literary agents and then worked on revisions with my agent and then she sold it to, um, to Random House, to my publisher. And so that took me from the time I started until the time I felt like it was strong enough to show anyone was about two years. Um, but when I sold The Herd, my second book, just because of how all the timing worked out and delays that led to whatever, I sold it uh, based on the idea, the hook and two sample chapters in September um, 20, 2018. And it was due January 15th. So I wrote the first draft in just over two months so that I had a little time to revise it on my own. Yeah. Um, so that was crazy. That was chaos. But I was like, hey, now I know I can do that. Interesting. Um, and then for my third book, I, let's see, sold it in September and it was due in April. So the first draft I had four or five months, which is like about right for me. I like, I like writing quickly. I like you know, building with it every day and not, not sort of putting it aside, but um, that was a much better pace for me. And I was, I was a journalist, I was a magazine editor and I do freelance writing. So for me, working on a deadline is sort of the key to me getting anything done. I'm not, I'm a total procrastinator until there's a deadline looming <laughs> and then, then I can make it happen. That little bit of pressure helps a lot. I work the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're almost out of time, so we keep these pretty short and sweet. Um, but before we go, do you have any other advice for aspiring writers? I think one piece of advice is, and this is really important and it took me a while to learn, is to not think that you have to have it all figured out before you start writing. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, I start with hardly any idea what's going to happen, so I'm, I'm proof positive of that. But also, like, um, I think it's very easy to talk yourself out of an idea when it's when it's just in its infancy and to say, um, you know, to tell yourself like, no, that'll never sell or but I don't know how it's going to end or people are going to totally be over books about X by then. Um, and the truth is, like, you just don't know. And if you wait until the entire idea is totally formed and beautiful, you will never write a book. Um, and so, yeah, when I was when I had the idea for the last night. I was really nervous to write it because it was 2014 and we all like hated hipsters in 2014. <laughs> we were still in our period of like just loathing the like Brooklynites. Um, and so I was really scared to write an entire book about them. And my friend was just like, take off your editor cap, like take, like stop letting your fear stop you and just write and see what happens. And it ended up working out really well because by the time the book came out in 2019, we were 
sort of interested again in those yeah. you know, days of 2009. So um, yeah, just, just write and see where it goes. And even if it doesn't work out, like it's never wasted time because you've learned something, you've improved your craft and, um, and yeah, it feels good. It's how you become a writer. It's just writing. Amazing. Well, it was so wonderful talking with you today. Yeah, you all, all of you who tune in, go out and buy a copy of The Herd and The Lost Night. Great quarantine reading. Well, thank you again, Andrea. I hope that the rest of you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. And now, here's an exclusive excerpt from the audiobook, courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. My body tensed before I knew what I was seeing. Strobes of red and blue, the universal sign of an emergency. I paused and squinted at the squad car across the street, its lights flashing, eerier for the lack of a siren. I breathed deeply, commanded my chest to relax. Two weeks back in New York City, and despite everyone's warnings, the sounds, the smells, the crush of people and hulking cliffs of steel and glass, none of it bothered me. None of it took any reassimilation. But this was the first manic police light I'd seen, and like Pavlov's bell, it had made every muscle tighten. I crossed the street and realized the two cops standing bored on the road weren't just blocking my entrance. They appeared to be at the herd, speaking to a wisp of a woman in an impressively flattering parka. I leaned forward and flashed my widest smile. Excuse me, I'm so sorry to interrupt. They flicked their heads my way, annoyed. It's okay for me to go in? I pointed at the door behind them. Are you a member? The woman asked. I have an appointment with Eleanor. She raised her eyebrows, and I sighed. I'm Hannah's sister. She took a half step back. Oh, go on up. The gleam room's closed, but everything else is uh, business as usual. I thanked her and hurried out of the cold to wait for the single elevator. The gleam room? What the hell is a gleam room? On the 10th floor, the doors slid open, and I stepped out into a sunlit entryway. I paused, momentarily stunned. I'd seen the floor shortly after Eleanor had first rented it, had even donned a hard hat and closed-toe shoes for a tour shortly before I'd left town, but that hive of dust and drywall and sweaty contractors had little in common with the space before me. It had the girly chicness of a magazine office, but without the clutter or bustle. Here, everything was calm. Sunlight spilled in from the windows. It was warm, but not stuffy, and the air smelled vaguely of plumeria. A woman with glossy French braid pigtails and molded spectacles smiled at me from behind a marble-fronted desk. On the wall behind her was the now-famous logo, The Herd, the H-E-R, a deep plum, the other letters gray. She checked me in, had me scribble my finger across an iPad in the wild snarl I counted as my signature, and then she gestured toward the nearest lounge. Eleanor will get a notification that you're here, she said brightly, touching off a little chirrup in my chest. Feel free to take a seat. I thanked her and stepped inside the room, which was ringed with forest green booths and benches, 
a few sofas and armchairs clustered at the center. I peeled off my coat and sent a text. You here? I heard Hannah before I saw her, her heels clacking along the parquet floor. Hannah enters any room like Lily Tomlin in an 80s office comedy. Katie, she cried, arms wide. I take back everything I said, I said into her shoulder. This place is unreal, Hannah. I feel like I'm inside Athena's vagina. She cracked up and let me go, then took a step back, evaluating. That's the Katie I know, she said, tapping my shoulder. You've been off your game the last couple of weeks. I was beginning to worry Kalamazoo had permanently killed off your sense of humor. Ah, yes. Hannah coming in hot with the thinly veiled criticism. Don't scapegoat Michigan. I've just been getting my bearings. I looked beyond her. Is Mickey here? Oh, and do you know what's going on this morning? There are cops by the door. Thank you for listening to Books Connect Us. For more great book recommendations and information about your favorite authors, feel free to follow Penguin Random House on social media or visit penguinrandomhouse.com. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more listeners to find our show. This podcast is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. I've been Aaron Leaf, and until next time, this has been Books Connect Us. Thank you.